Now here's what we're going to talk about tonight, to infinity and beyond, is the title of tonight's message. And we're going to be talking about, you know, we've been, we spent this month, the focus was on how do we get the breakthrough. And so when you are looking for a breakthrough in any area of your life, that these are the basics. If you, you've got to get these things in place so that you have the basics organized like a foundation. The door is open and we're able to walk through that door. There's all kinds of cool things that we learn from here, but the basics of getting through to the beginning where you can be confident in getting a breakthrough, that's what we're dealing with this month. And what I'm closing out with this week is going to be just the basics. And so if you were somebody who got saved this morning, you, yesterday you didn't even know who Jesus was, and today somebody introduced you to Jesus and you got saved. Now that person, as they listen to these notes, these notes work for that person. Now, does that mean we don't have to learn and grow and all that? Nope. But the deliverance power, the breakthrough power that is available to a Christian starts being available to that Christian at second one. Even if they haven't done a single thing to do anything about anything in their lives so far, this stuff works. So what you're able to do is you're able to get a breakthrough literally the day after you get saved. Matter of fact, as you're going to discover, it's easier to get a breakthrough the day after you get saved than after you've been 15 years a pastor of the most awesome church in the galaxy simply because we're kind of called to do stuff as we learn stuff. And so when we are at the beginning of the journey, the beginning of the journey includes breakthrough ability, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to talk about two terms, first of all, mercy and grace. Because mercy is that thing that you need when we do stuff wrong. And uh, we do some stuff wrong. That's just the way this thing works out. So let's do some definitions. Number one, mercy. We did something wrong and we need covering. We need to get rescued. We need to escape. We need to not get what we deserve to get. Grace is a, a huge umbrella of things. But what that umbrella is about is God's supernatural ability in, uh, uh, injected into your life to do stuff that you can't do yourself. And that covers all kinds of different things. But at the beginning, it just means it doesn't really matter if you made the mistake that, that you need, now need rescuing from. It doesn't really matter. What matters is you need rescuing from it. So the best, uh, the best way to think about that when it comes to grace, from a breakthrough perspective, from a do I deserve to be a person that goes before God and asks him, if he'll give me a breakthrough. Not, that's not really what you do, but sometimes we feel like, well, I've only been saved for 42 years, so I don't, get the, it's not, I don't really haven't earned the ability to go ask God a question yet. That's hui. You deserve to go ask God a question even before you're saved. I know it's going to shake some people out. That's how you get saved. So you can't, anyways. So we deserve it. We're children. We have the ability to go before God. It's all the devil that tells us you don't deserve it, as we're going to find out as we go through this teaching. And so uh, grace is God's supernatural power available to us to do the things that we cannot do by ourselves. 
And so we look in Hebrews chapter 4. I'll read these scriptures really quickly for you. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Let us now approach God's throne of grace. So it's a throne of grace. That's where all the power is. That's all the supernatural of God is at that throne. So that we may receive mercy. That's because, you know, we go there because we did it wrong. And sometimes we know we did it wrong when we find out that now we have something we need rescuing from, that it was our fault. It doesn't have to be our fault, but we can go there. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And so that tells us that when we are children, when we are God's kids, we have the right not just to go to the throne, but we have the right to go boldly to the throne. And so the story that I liken this to, the best way, because when we, take about, we think about this term grace, grace is a ter- an English term. And when the Bible was translated back in the, in the 1600s, the term grace was really only used in a couple of different contexts. The, the primary context was when a common person would try to go into the court of a king. And that common person doesn't deserve to go there. You just don't, kings just don't open up their courts and have like open houses and stuff like that because they're always scared that you're going to come kill them or something like that. And so the only way that you get in there is by them extending grace to you. So they open the door for you to come in and now you're able to come in and let's say you have a petition or you have something that you want done or the king to somehow listen to something of yours then he would give you permission to come in and ask him your question or, or whatever it is that you would be there for. And so that then easily we can understand in that same context of a kid, imagine that you were the child of that king and somebody on the other guy's team comes and kidnaps you. And oh, let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's say that you pooped your diaper right before they came and kidnapped you. Can you imagine that the king would say, we're not going to go rescue that kid because he pooped his diaper. That's not even possible to think like that. That's not even rational that anybody would say that's the reason. Or maybe you're a teenager and the king was mad at you because you wrecked his car. He's going to say, I'm not going to rescue that person because he wrecked my car. That's, that's not even rational. The wreck the car is no longer an issue in this equation because what he's, the very first thing that king is going to think of doing is calling up every single person in his army and sending him to go and clean up that entire country that took his kid. There is nothing that will stop that kid, that king, from going and rescuing that kid. That's how we should relate to this thing called grace. In that equation, it doesn't matter how good a prince or princess that kid had been. We'll deal with that when we get you home. But first, we're going to get you home. Isn't that true? That is the mentality of this concept of grace. There should never be a time ever in your life even if you haven't even got saved yet, God is still interested in you coming boldly into his throne room and having a chat with him. Matter of fact, he's never going to be more interested than he's interested in you before you've met him. He really wants you to come in to meet him. Never again should we be interrupted by the devil saying, 
Oh, you, you, I know what you did yesterday. You know what you did yesterday. And guess who else? God knows what you did yesterday. He's not going to, that's not true. God is always interested. Matter of fact, he says, while we were yet sinners, right? while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, we did not even know God. We, we, are, we are shaking our fist at him or giving him a small portion of our fist. There was, there's, he put Jesus on the cross. He put Jesus on the cross when we were doing that so that we could rescue him. That's like the prince going like this, nah, 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 as he's getting kidnapped to his father. His father still, wouldn't you, each one of you, as wicked people as we are, how many of you would say, okay, forget that kid, I write him out of the will. That's not the way it would be. That doesn't mean that there is not also a requirement on us as we are accessing this grace. So when we are in a, a, a situation that needs rescuing, God is very willing to rescue us, but he's also wanting us to, be, to grow, to mature in such a way that we don't get ourselves into that same mess again. And so God is kind of walking a little bit of a tightrope with us as he is rescuing us, because he's wanting us to experience, understand we did do something wrong. It's not that, we, that he doesn't care that we did something wrong. The key of it is he wants us to not be condemned by that thing that we do wrong and able to then go to him, get rescued, but also go to him and get the reason, get the understanding, get the wisdom of how to not get into that situation again. As a matter of fact, you know, and we should probably say it like this. None of us should live at all on this life ever with the concept, yet yeah, don't worry about it, I pretty much know what I'm doing. That's just not a profitable place to be. You know, can I tell you something? The only people that have ever told me they know what they're doing spiritually are religious people. Do you know why? Because the religious people live in such a small box when it comes to God, it's pretty okay to figure out how to get to church on Sunday, most Sundays. And if that's all that your little box is, get to church on Sunday, smile, leave, yeah, pretty much I'm doing everything there is to do. When you're a spiritual person, when you have a, a, a relationship that all of these guys this month have been talking about, you recognize, you know, this is a flow. This is kind of like a constantly growing cycle that we are in all of our lives. When you get to be the pastor of the greatest church in the galaxy, guess what? You're still getting most of it wrong. Selah. You don't ever grow out. You know, I said, I told you guys this when I went to the Lord, when we were doing the superhero teaching last year. Do you remember that time? And I said to him, you know, like, what percentage on this are we? Thinking we're about 60%. I wouldn't give a 70 because that's kind of boastful, but I think maybe we're, he said two. We experience life at 2% of what Jesus experienced while he was here. We are not, you should, we should not have the expectation that, you know, buddy, I got this right. Don't worry about that. We're always in a place where in some area of growth and maturity in our lives, we need to go boldly to, in the, to the throne of grace and say, Papa, I need some help. I need some help. And can I tell you this other thing? If you don't need help, you're not obeying God. That's simple. 
Because even when you got level one down pat, that you are now super Christian on level one, you win the gold medal every Sunday. God has been talking to you for six months about getting to level two. You're just chickening out. Because you're happy being top dog on level one. You need to get her going. That was free. Not in the notes. Okay, so the important thing for us is that God is not expecting us to get it right. That's important. It, my, my message today, my, my, my uh, little story today was a story that Pastor Tina used to tell all the time when it came to grace. When our kids were little, you know, you'd go through the checkout aisle and they conveniently load the checkout aisle with everything kids want, but their moms won't let them have. How many of you are familiar with that? And so you, Tina would let them pick one or two, one each kind of thing as they're going through the checkout. So they have a candy bar, they have a pack of something or other going through the checkout. And so, and then they would have their nickel or what they thought was money, enough, certainly a billion dollars in their mind. So I can just about buy anything in the store with their nickel. And then they would put their nickel up on the little conveyor belt and Tina would just kind of nod at the lady behind the cash because she knew candy bar is 95 cents. They've come up way short. But Tina didn't say, hey, you're a stupid idiot. Why are you talking about a candy bar fried time? <laughs> that wouldn't have done any good. What you do is you just put in the 90 cents. You just make up the difference. That's what Grace is doing. Now, if the kid, if Alex does that now, and I know he's got 30 bucks in his pocket, man, he's buying his own, he's buying his own candy bar. Because <laughs> I know better that he just doesn't have five cents. That mechanism is the mechanism that God uses when he's trying to bring us up into greater and greater levels of rightness. Because life is better when you do it right. And learning how to do it right is actually the coolest part about being alive. Because we are constantly in a process of learning better how to do life in a better and better and better and better and better way. So, he desires to rescue us in spite of our mistakes. So let me just read this for you so you know. This is when we run to the throne of grace. We have unalienable rights as a child of God. Now you hear that term inalienable all the time when it comes to the constitutions of a country or your human rights. You have certain human rights just because you're a human. You have certain uh, child of God rights just because you're a child of God. That means you can go boldly, go talk to God, go get your father to listen to your petitions, deal with you, of course, my heart is open, right? I'm not just blaming Stephen. I, I'm ready for it to be my fault too, and I'm listening to God for that. And I know that my humility in that moment, as I listen to God to find out, how did I get here so I don't get here ever again? Because when you're in the doo-doo, you don't want to get there ever again. And then you find out the answer. God rescues you from that situation. That's called a breakthrough. That's called rescuing. That's called increase. That's called blessing. That's called transformation going on in your life. I should say this too, because I'll get the, get the rougher stuff out of the way in the beginning. There's also diminishing grace. My kids would say this to me, say, Dad, how come you're yelling? And if I tell them to put the dishes in the sink, how come you're yelling? I said, I didn't yell the first seven times I said it. It's, it's escalating. 
they only heard it for the first time when I yelled it, but that wasn't the first time I said it. That's the same thing that you deal with with God. The easiest time to fix something when God shows you it needs to be fixed is the first time. Now, if you're like me, you don't learn necessarily the first time. So he'll tell you, you need to, you know, forgive Tina. I don't want to. Forgive her, it's her fault. And so he fixes my problem. Tina kind of comes and, you know, makes me nice coffee anyways. And then I didn't learn my lesson. So the next, you know, usually I'm good for a couple days or so. And then I do something wrong again. Well, you know, it's not as easy the second time. And it's not as easy the third time. And so we get to learn after a while when it comes to this whole process. Yes, we get a breakthrough. Yes, God is willing. Yes, we can go boldly. But yes, the, decision, you know, the rescue might not be as fast. The solution might not be as quick. It might not be as easy. You're just going to just live in the problem just a wee bit longer than you did last time. I don't want you to build an expectancy for that. I want you to build an expectancy for fixing it the first time. So that now I know, boom, that's a boundary in my life. I'm never going to cross that boundary ever again because I know going across that boundary puts me back there and I don't ever want to go back there ever again. God has shown me the answer. As a matter of fact, it says it in Hebrews, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth the right way, there is no sacrifice left for those sins. Moment. You have to remember, I, I, and you've got to be careful with this because people say then you don't go to heaven. No, you, you go to heaven. You didn't get to heaven because you didn't sin. You all know that. You go to heaven because Jesus paid the price for that. But that, that was the first part. The second part is, and you believed that. So when you believe that, you are now going to heaven. If you have one sin, are you going to heaven? Yes. Have you have a thousand? Yes. A thousand and one? Yes. This is not talking about there's no sacrifice in the sense that you lose your spiritual salvation or the ability to go to heaven when you die. You always get that unless you stop believing in Jesus. Then you don't get it anymore because it was getting, you got in because you did believe if you stop, you understand the math. What this is talking about is that when, when the sacrifice for sin was made, your eyes, or when you believed that, your eyes were opened to the truth. If you decide that even though you can understand the truth, you can see how the truth affected the, 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 the situation that you were in, you understood all that because your eyes were opened. God is saying, what do you want me to do for me? What do, you, what do you want me to do for you now? I can't help you if you have seen the mistake, you've seen how to do it right, but you still choose to continue doing it wrong. I can't open your eyes more, except that I'll let you sit in the that you made for just a little bit longer. And then maybe you'll understand going down that road, bad road. Do you understand what he's saying here? Because what Jesus did for us was he opened our eyes to understand the relationship between the things that we believe and consequently do and the things that we receive into our lives. People in the natural world do not think spitting in your face means that someone's going to spit in theirs. 
That's just like, yeah, that doesn't happen. Stealing money means I lose it. They don't get that. Hating people means they think if more you hate them, they'll finally smarten up and they'll love you back. That's what the world thinks. They don't see it. What we see when we enter the kingdom is we understand the relationship here. If then understanding the relationship means I'm still going to do nothing about it, God is going, jeepers, I'm out of, I'm out of tools here. Nothing I can really do to help you to understand this relationship. And so, we're not, how many say, I'm not going to be that person? I'm going to be that person that says, when I find myself in a problem and I'm needing a breakthrough, I'm needing a breakthrough, one, in the situation that has now produced itself in my life. Two, I need a breakthrough in my own heart so that I know what happened, I know how I did it, I know what belief system I have to change, and I get busy changing it. And so this is what we're going to talk about for some tools. Does anybody know how much time I have? Is there a, is there a clock somewhere? I can already feel myself not getting past page one early enough. So we're going to talk about the tools. Say these with me. God has given us authority. God has given us an army. And God has given us artillery. Okay, the authority. All authority has been given to Jesus. And if we are in Jesus, all authority is by then, by, because of our alignment underneath Jesus, as he is the Lord, he is the boss, he is the person that I am, he, I am directly underneath. Right. He my boss, I his uh, brother, I his, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say slave or worker, but I'm the person in, he's the general, I'm the major, right? I'm underneath him because he has all authority. Therefore, when I align myself underneath him, I have all authority. Right? So he says, all authority has been given unto me, therefore you go. Because he's saying, you go in all that authority. Jesus' name, the na as we would say in the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. That's not just a cool way that we end a prayer. What we're doing is we're saying, I'm asking for this petition, not just as a human being. I'm aligning myself with the authority that Jesus has, which, which is over every name that has ever been any place that there is any authority anywhere in all of everywhere. Jesus's name is higher than that authority. When I speak in Jesus name, now I need to be able to be speaking what Jesus would be speaking. I can't be a treasonous person inside the army of God who's saying things and asking for things and declaring things. You know, I declare my neighbor's dog dies because it pooped in my yard. No, I can't do that because that, Jesus wouldn't do that. When I'm declaring what Jesus declares, what his truth is, what his desire is for a particular situation, whether that's my life or somebody else's life or my city or my country or my globe, when I'm declaring that, I can rightfully say, in the name of Jesus, I'm invoking it in the name of Jesus. When we do that, everything begins to move. It has no choice. When the Roman centurion referred to Jesus' ability in this area, he said, when you say, go, goes. When I say, come, comes, like a Roman soldier. This is what we're talking about. When you're releasing that authority, nothing can withstand you. Now, we're always looking for a hocus pocus here, you know, abracadabra, where Shazam happens in a moment. 
It oftentimes doesn't happen in a moment. There's lots of things that had to happen for you to get yourself in that problem. Lots of things have to be reorganized in order to get you out of that problem. All your job is, is to declare the name of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, and let that get the job done. Number two, the army of God. You have been given angels who have charge over you and have been given the responsibility to serve you as a minister, the Bible says, or that word uh, uh, means servant, like a slave kind of servant. The word is doulos, and it, in the Old Testament, or the, in the olden times, that was the term that you used for a slave. So the angels, there is a whole army of beings that have been dispatched from heaven with the specific purpose of serving you. The way they do that, number one, as we see in Psalm 91, which is something you should, if you have not got that as part of your daily confession, in Psalm 91, it refers clearly to the fact that angels have been given charge. They have been given uh, an order from heaven to make sure that you don't even dash your foot against a stone. They are going to protect you and care for you and make sure that you don't get hurt or injured in any way. What we need to be doing is we need to be exercising, getting our servants to look after us. And we tell them what to do. The way we tell them what to do is in Psalms uh, 103, I think it's in your notes there. Uh, Psalm 103, it says that your angels hearken. That's kind of an old English word. They listen to, they take orders from the word of God being released out of your mouth. This is important. You have to look at faith, hope, and love talk as though it is, let's say, English. And fear, dread, and selfishness talk as though it is Mandarin. Not that, you know, I'm not being, I'm trying not to be racist. I'm not being racist. I'm trying to draw the attention to the fact that when you talk to an angel, you can only talk to an angel in faith, hope, and love talk. If you talk fear, dread, selfishness talk, they go like you go, if you don't speak Mandarin, of course. But if, if somebody came in and started preaching in Mandarin, you'll be going, I haven't, I haven't got a clue what you're saying. Right. Angels hearken, listen, take orders from the word of God being spoken out of your mouth. When you do that, you commission those angels with what you want. And so you say, oh, my back is killing me. And the angel goes, what did he say? Uh, he's, he's, he's mumbling. Because I don't understand what he's saying. When you say, my back is strong and I'm going to live straight, long, strong, straight, and satisfied every day of my life, they go, yeah, I can work with that. And their job is to make sure that, you know, you would have fallen over that chair and hurt your knee, but you didn't. You would have lifted that thing and hurt your back, but you didn't. You would have sped through that red, yellow light, but instead you stopped. All these things that are going on, you know, I get it all the time. And I'm on the motorcycle sometimes, you know, and there's some, you know, person in front of me <laughs> who takes that sign that says 5-O-K-L-M-S. They take it literally. I, I don't understand why you would take that sign literally. And then I have to slow down 
behind this person who's taking that speed limit sign literally. And all the time I'm thinking, you know, thank you, Lord, because you're protecting me from my own self. You know that I need to be 30 seconds late for that intersection 38 miles from here, and you're slowing me down right now because some lunatic who had too much to drink for breakfast is flying through that intersection. You know why that's happening? It's because the angels who have been given charge over me are slowing me the heck down. Or I shouldn't just say just with that situation. All kinds of situations. Over and 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 over again. Oh, I feel like a Big Mac. No, let's go home and eat a salad. That dawned on nobody ever. Except when your angel is whispering in your ear, salads are good. God has given the armies of heaven to aid us in walking in our call and purpose. If God needs you to live to be 120 years old, let me tell you, your angels are real busy getting you to live that long. They're real busy trying to get you safe and sound and uh, abundant in every way in order to get you to last that long. Listen to them. Don't get mad at mama in front of you when they're slowing you down. When the red light, 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 how can they all be red? <laughs> Excuse me, am, am I ranting? Am I ranting right now? Artillery, tongues, that is your spiritual language given to you to say prayers that you don't even know you need to be saying. That is the Spirit of the Lord using your mouth to say things he knows you need to be saying right now that you don't even know you need to be saying. So do it. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost is smarter than you. That's important for you to know that. Tongues, that's charging your spiritual batteries. When you pray in tongues, Jude says you build up, strengthen, recharge your most holy faith. It causes your battery to be recharged. You're waking up in every morning or you're, you know, you're finding yourself a little bit irritable. What you need to do is go in the bathroom, pray in tongues for half an hour, and you'll come out, you'll find out you ain't irritable anymore. You need an answer to a question that's a complete conundrum to you and there's absolutely no possible answer on the planet because if there was one, you would know it. Wrong. Pray in tongues. All of a sudden, maybe not at that very moment, but all of a sudden, you'll be walking down the street and you'll go, bing! You'll have the answer that you needed. This is what tongues does. In the declaration part, what's important is that the Holy Spirit is using your mind. Imagine when the, when the Holy Spirit first came to the planet. Do you know the very first thing he wanted to do after making light bulbs on top of people's heads? He wanted to start praying through a human mouth. First thing, they started to what? Speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit couldn't wait to start fixing stuff on this planet. And he used whatever mouth he could get, even if he had to get it so that their brain was saying, I don't know what the heck we're doing right now. Confessions. The second part of your artillery. Let's say there are some stuffs that you do know that you should be showing. You've gone to church enough to know that you should be declaring certain truth over your life. Those are called your daily 
confessions. And you should have a list of what those daily confessions are in somewhere that's with you when you are always with you. So it is in your cell phone, it is a cue card in your pocket, it's in your purse, so that you're sitting in the doctor's office and you got 20 minutes or two hours, as it were, to kill, pull that sucker out and start making those confessions. And you're in the morning, you get, before you get out of bed, you grab your phone, you pull it to your confession, make those confessions over your life. Those are your spiritual bullets. Those bullets are going and getting stuff done. You're declaring it in the name of Jesus. It's the truth of the word of God. Your angels are yes, sir, and gone when you declare those words. Organizing stuff all in your future so that when you get there, the problem has already been solved. You didn't even know the problem was there. Joy and peace in believing, the gunpowder. This was going to be my flash pod example for tonight, but I'm not allowed to use flash pods, Mr. Insurance Man. <laughs> gunpowder inside the artillery. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. That ain't, it hardly, good you're saying it, but it hardly working. That's like shooting a bullet that's got just a teensy bit of gunpowder in it. But boy, you get one of them 30-odd shells and you pack that sucker with lots and lots and lots of gunpowder and you shove that thing into the cylinder and you let that thing go, that's going to bounce you into the next county in, re in recoil because that bullet is going. The gunpowder inside of your words is joy and peace in believing. When we stir up through our time, as Pastor Alex is saying and the other teachers that were here this month all talking to us, what about intimacy with God, presence of God, get into his word, get into his presence, spend time with him, all of those things. What's that doing as we're hearing on Sunday? That's causing joy and peace in believing to be stirring up on the inside of me. Peace, a word that says you're t everything is going to be okay. Joy, the strength of God that comes from the very inside of your spirit that you get because of, the pre of being in the presence of God and Him plugging into your battery with His battery and zoop, fills you up like your cell phone with all the charge you are going to need. Thanksgiving and praise. The end of the journey now is you declaring in thanksgiving and praise to God. Why does it say that? Mark 11, 23 and 24 say it like this, that when you pray, believe that you have already received when you pray. When you go boldly through the, to the throne of grace, looking for grace and mercy, or mercy and grace to help in a time of need, you turn around and leave that throne room having already received the answer to the petition that you gave God. When you do that, what is the evidence that you believe you have already received? Thanksgiving. Praise. When I say to God, thank you for the answer. Thank you for the deliverance. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the abundance. Thank you that every bill is paid. Thank you that every person is blessed. Thank you that, every, that my coffee's hot. Thank you that the sugar is sweet. Thank you for, and you just start declaring thanks and praise in advance. 
before you actually see the victory in your life, before you see it in the natural, you declare thanks for it because you know the God who promised you, the God who wrote the book, said that if you would believe before you see it, if you would believe that he's good and that he was a rewarder, if you believe that he'll give you the petitions that you ask because he loves you and because he's honorable to his word, what do I do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Today's going to be great. Thank you, Lord, that my life is going to be blessed. It's continually blessed. It's blessed now, but it's going to be blessed. My expectation of all of my futures is that it is going to be a blessing. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, I am a child of God. As a child of God, I have mercy and grace available to me. Should I ever make a mistake, should I ever get myself in a situation that I need rescuing from, I know mercy and grace are available to me. I have certain inalienable rights as a child of God. I declare today that the name of Jesus, His authority is available to me because I abide in Him and His words abide in me. I declare that the host of heaven, the angels of God, have been given orders from heaven to come to protect me, to provide for me, to keep me in all of my ways. Their instructions are to listen to the words of God that come out of my mouth, take those words and produce them any way necessary in my life. I declare my words count. When I make confessions every day, those words, God's words in my mouth, declaring His word into my life, those words have power. Those words change things. Those words produce the breakthrough in every area of my life. I declare today that I am filled with joy and peace in the process of maturing in the Word of God. I know I can have joy and peace in believing. I declare today I am peaceful. I know everything is going to be okay. I declare I am full of joy, strength, God's strength, hopeful strength on the inside of me that bubbles up, effervescent me every minute of my life. And I declare today, when I pray, I receive. When I say it, good is done. I leave that moment knowing 
my faithful Father, my faithful Father has, taken has taken those things, those things I, requested I requested that were in line, were in line with His will for me, and he's done them. I can leave this place knowing that I have already received. And because I have, all I got left is praise and thanksgiving. Joyously, abundantly praising God, Jesus, his word, his angels, and all those people that have helped me get to where I am. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo, woo, woo.